Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Turnstiles and Tribulations. We've been away for a couple of weeks and unable to comment on the last few games, so we've unfortunately missed out the Leeds United game, we've unfortunately missed out the Southampton game and the European games in between as well. But we are back and we're here to discuss this weekend's game, which was against Nottingham Forest at the Emirates. Um, Chris, how are you? Very well, my friend. Very well. Been been a while, like you said, um, since we've had a chat about the Arsenal. So um, I'm looking forward to discussing this. We yeah, only right. pod when we're winning. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hey, well, I mean, we should have podded after the, the Leeds game. I mean, was an amazing yeah. one. I had a lot of notes for that. Um, but uh, yeah, obviously Southampton, and it, it's it's possibly right to comment on that run of games since we did last do a show which was obviously the Liverpool um, game, which was the last one that we did together. So going into this one, we had got some wins on the board in both competitions. and We had taken a draw in the Premier League and we'd taken our first loss in Europe as well. Uh, were you thinking anything that like the boys needed a big result today or just just hang on, we've only got a few more games to go until the World Cup break is here. How are you feeling kind of going into this game, knowing obviously City had won as well yesterday and uh, and we were no longer top? What were you, how were you before today's game, basically? It does feel a little bit like this stretch just before the World Cup. It, it, it is sort of hang on, try and get through it as best you can because you know there's going to be this period where you can rebuild you know Arteta and and the players who aren't going to the World Cup can relax for a little bit and then recharge and and go again for the second part of the season so it was while we're in the position we're in hang on as much as we can stay in this um, fantastic position we've got ourselves in don't let anything slip away at this point because it will be all important but coming into this game Forrester I mean it's a really difficult job that um, Steve Cooper, isn't it, at um, Forest? It's a really difficult job that he's got because of the huge turnaround of players that they've had. And you never really know what Forest team are going to turn up. They've got some players who have got some talent and have got some Premier League experience, but they're also a bit of a mishmash of different characters and they don't really look like a cohesive unit. I think they had a um, a relatively good start from what I remember and they, they managed to get some points but they've dropped off a little bit more recently and coming into this I thought here's an opportunity to get back on the horse here's an opportunity to show that the little stumbles and the little blips that we've had although they've been in Europe as well as in, in the league are just that, just little blips and we can get over it quickly and if you're a serious title contender and I'm not saying we are but if you are then these are the sort of games where you've had a a stumble you've drawn a game you need to come back and win and put down a marker and show that that slight um, error and that slight blip that you've had is an exception and not the rule so going into it I was I was hoping that we put down a sort of 5-0 5-0 performance and um, a very solid one at that. And would you know, that's what we got. It is. And yeah, I agree. We've 
some people have reacted or overreacted, I think is the better word to use, to some of our performances and even some of the results. Um, I think everyone needs to take a moment, look at where we are, and remember we are flying right now. And don't worry, basically. Like, you you can't do uh, a 2-0 win every weekend and play well at the same time. Just, it's just not possible. The Invincibles didn't do it. It's it's not possible, and people forget that. So um, for me, although I felt the same as you, we could really do with giving Forrest a bit of a hiding. Um, for me, it was more of a, I just want to see an Arteta team, this team that we've got, this, this year's incarnation, get a big scoreline. Uh, I've wanted it in a couple of games or thought it was possible in a couple of games and it hadn't come yet. So I've been hoping we would get this big scoreline at some point anyway. Uh, But I think it has come at a good time with just a couple of league games left to go uh, before the break. It was a perfect time to to give a team a bit of a, a drubbing. And it's the first time Arsenal have won by that many goals since Arsene Wenger's last game for Arsenal when we beat Burnley 5-0. So um, it's been a, it's been a while since we've scored a bunch of goals like that. There's certainly been games where we should have scored those goals. We know that. And I think, to be honest, once we get going on today, I think we could genuinely make a case for it being closer to 9 or 10 than, <laughs> uh, than it being just 5 for today. So, um, yeah. Very happy to report that we have won 5 0 against Nottingham Forest. Um, the first goal came pretty early, which has been a bit of a trademark of us this year. All I've got to say about that is what a 1 2 that was. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic, <laughs> wasn't it? it? It was outstanding. So that I couldn't think of a better. I'm sure there might have been back, back in the Burkamp days and stuff, but. I can't think of a better one-two that I've seen for a goal for Arsenal in ages. That was just out, outstanding. Just a sign of a player who really wanted to get on the end of it, right? Because <laughs> the moment he he puts that ball out, switches it to Saka, he's sprinting into that area. And um, yeah, it's a fantastic run across the defender. I don't think the ball in is fantastic, particularly. I mean, it's, it's into an okay area, but the run makes it and the fact that he's so determined and brave to get his head into that kind of dangerous area and get across the defender it you know it's, it's a fantastic header um and yeah he's, you know he's a player who you can tell he wants to score goals and we've said this in, in in other weeks that we have players in that front line who really want to score it's not just about being providers or being on the outside of the game they want to you know, he puts that ball out wide and he's well outside the box when he does that, but he's the first one to get in front of the, the defender. It's not Gabriel Jesus who's making that run or Granit Xhaka, the goal scorer, who's, get, who's, who's making that run. It's, it's him. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic run. It's, it's ruthless. Yeah, really, really good. And I was just thinking to myself, great, we've got that early start, which is a bit of a trademark of when we think or know we're going to play well and um you just you want to build upon that and uh and see us go on especially if we're going to get a result like 
we ended up with. But that isn't really how the first half kind of panned out, though. Um, we had another few early chances that we didn't put away. Jesus said one. Um, and we'll maybe come to talk about him a bit more in depth later on. Um, we certainly were moving the ball around really nicely. I, I did think to myself, Partey was really quick to get the ball uh, forward, not necessarily wide, but forward. Uh, I noticed that in the first five, ten minutes. He was really, really uh, in charge of that pace that we were moving at, which was really good to see because often when he has a good game, we have a good game. Um, you know, a Gabby Martinelli, for instance, could have a bad game. Not that he did today, he had a great one, but we get away with it. It doesn't really dictate our flow whereas a lot comes from Partey and what he does. So it's important that he has good games. And often when he does, we do well as a team. So um, so that was pretty good. It wasn't long, though, before every Arsenal heart is on the floor when Saka goes down and he's struggling. Um, and he had to go down a second time before they actually took him off. They, they played him on for a little bit longer. And... Um, What's your reading of that? As I've got a few ideas upon what happened there and maybe a build-up of injuries. So I thought it was a kick that came a lot earlier than they were talking about in the commentary. Um, they were talking about it. The, the, I think the second time when he went down was when he, he sort of stumbled into the box and he, he just about got a touch on the ball. And they were saying it might have come from that. But I thought it was a, a, a kick that he got earlier, um, a lot earlier in the game, and um, maybe an accumulation of a couple of kicks. And my thinking was at the time, because they think it's just a kick, because it's a, a some contact on, on the shin or an impact on the knee or whatever it was, the foot, that they'll just keep him on because it, it's not one that's going to get worse by playing on, if that makes sense. It's not like a, a twist or a... Um, a sprain that if you you know you, you keep repeating movements on it it's going to be a lot worse and you should take a precaution it just felt like it's something like they thought he could run it off um so my reason I was on it is that I haven't seen anything else yet about um what sort of damage has been done but it didn't look like anything too serious to me but I mean that could be famous last words I guess um, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I was worried in the moment because I thought this is going to impact the game right now and how we play and I thought we'd had a really good 20 minutes um, impacting on the game but I didn't immediately think oh fuck World Cup or oh fuck he's going to be out for Chelsea I was I was just concerned about the impact it were having us in this game yeah agreed and I, th I think the same as you I think it was from the kick earlier in the game I think it was just after the goal where he, he took one but there was also a spot where he chased the ball out of play and he slid down our pitch into the advertising hoarding very awkwardly and that yeah. wasn't noticed or picked up by anyone. And if you watch that back in the live game, you see him hang himself over the advertising hoarding for a moment or two. He turns, gets back on his feet and he is struggling to walk from that. And. Yeah. That, for me, I wonder if that is where he actually did it for, from where our pitch drops down and he slipped over and crashed into the advertising hoardings. 
that to me looks like where he's done the damage. And um, I always think, why would we have a pitch that could, you look at it? I remember years ago before even we had the Emirates and you looked at Old Trafford and I think they've modified theirs now because it genuinely used to be a like a brick drop off around the uh, around the pitch. And I think they've modified it a little bit to make it less of a precipice if you, you know, fall over taking a throw in. Um, and yeah, I remember, oh, what was his name? That defender, Debushi, when he got pushed out of play by um, Arnautovic, was it? Or one of the, someone yeah. for West Ham. And um, and he uh, hurt his shoulder. And I remember at the time thinking that the pitch also didn't help in the way that it drops off. I I think, yeah, if you do happen to see that incident again in the in the full game, look at it. It's I think it's that that does him. Uh, the kick certainly doesn't help, but um, he was already limping and looking very ginger when he turned around and picked himself off the advertising hoardings. Yeah, he's, he's had a few kicks um, this season um, when he's been protecting the ball. When he, and, you know, I think there were some accusations at the start, like he was going down a little bit easily, but I do think he's been targeted a little bit. And also just, again, it's the way that he plays. He does draw people in and he does shield the ball a lot. So he's he's going to pick up these sort of knocks. But he's been pretty resilient so far, um, pretty durable. So let's hope that this is um, just a, a one-game thing and he, he's back for the weekend. I'd actually thought early on, once we scored the goal, <laughs> the thought popped into my mind, do you know what? Like We haven't really seen Saka getting kicked out of a game in a long time. And then that happens. So, uh, yeah, my fault, clearly. Um, but you're right, it did have an effect. Uh, Nelson came on to replace him. And it did stunt us. It did uh, kind of stop us in our tracks a bit. We didn't push on. We didn't continue with the way that we were playing the game. Uh, we had a couple more chances. Again, they were missed opportunities. And I remember getting towards half time thinking, if we don't come out of the blocks well again in the second half, is the fact that we're only one nil up and that we've missed a couple of good opportunities going to, you know, give us twenty minutes of frantic, frenetic football towards the end of the second half if Forrest are emboldened by the fact they're only one down and able to try and come at us. Um but after half time, we come out of the blocks absolutely flying, like we were in the first half. Um, all over them, all over them. They had nothing for us. And uh, Reese Nelson steps up and, and, and scores a goal, which was really, really good. Um, I don't know what a lot of people feel about Reese. I've always kind of been a bit. 50-50 with him. He's an Arsenal lad. He, he, I think he wants to play with us and for us. Um, and I remember the game against Liverpool where he scored a really nice goal when we beat them a couple of seasons ago at the Emirates. And it frustrates me that he hasn't been able to reproduce that, I guess, in training, because that's where the problems start. If Arteta wouldn't be sticking him out on loan, if he was doing it in training as well to show that he should be part of the collective. Um, 
So I find him as a frustrating character who we don't really know much about, whether he does train well, whether he does train badly. But uh, he got his goal, and it was really, really good. And it was from a bunch of dynamic movements. I don't know what you thought, Chris, but we had a couple of attacks before we scored, and our front line just looked static. We weren't moving. We had the ball out in the wide area, and it was just flat along our front. There was nothing happening. And I thought to myself, we need to come at this almost like we're counterattacking. We don't necessarily have to have two on two. You know, they can have players back. I, I felt we would cut through it, but I felt we needed to start from further back to build up a head of steam and get where we wanted to get. And that's exactly what happened. The ball goes all the way back to our defence. And that's, yeah, within seconds, we're up the other end of the pitch. Um, a couple of neat balls, Jesus with a lovely layoff. And, uh, and Reese tucks it away on the second time of asking. Yeah, I mean, I think the first half was, it, it was really a case of attack versus defence, wasn't it? It was us camped outside their area, trying to find little movements and trying to find a way in. And that's great for possession and it's great that we did create some sort of half chances, but sometimes you just need a team to get a little bit of confidence and just bring themselves out of their show a little bit so that you can then get at them. And um, yeah, what you what you said there, I think is is right. I think that second half, that goal comes from from Ramsdale, doesn't it? He's he's got the ball in his hands at that point, and we managed to sort of catch them when they're not set up in their in their right structure. We're able to play really quickly, party passes forward quickly, and then you know you you've got the the, the ball that goes through to the um, attackers really quick and direct, and yeah. Sometimes it's better when the other team has a bit of the ball. Sometimes it just it, it makes more sense because there's chances to to turn the ball over and chances to win the ball from them. Whereas when you, when they just keep giving the ball back to you, then you're just still trying to break down that structure that's there. And you know, they were playing so deep, and with just um, the one striker up there, it felt like it just needed something to come our way, and and that was the start of it. And then once the second goal goes in, I think their heads drop. Then they realise that they're beaten. You know, they know if they come out second half and they can stay in the game, that the last fifteen maybe they can throw everything at us. But once it goes too early on, you know, they're not stupid. They know that the game's over. And when you've got when you've got a group who haven't got the sort of chemistry that we have, when they've just got these sort of some of them are sort of mercenary players like Jesse Lingard, who who lasted about another five minutes after that. Their heads <laughs> will go because they don't want to be there. They might they might want to turn up if there's a bit of a chance to to get on the end of something and to ruin Arsenal's day. But once it goes two 0 they're not the sort of players you want on the pitch because they're not going to fight for you. And they're not going to do anything for that team. So once the second went in, my thinking was this could get ugly for them, and you know um, more goals will come. I just didn't think it'd be that quick. Um, to get the third and the, the rest. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It, it did come very quickly and that's why I, I don't think we've seen that from a second half start yet that we've had that quick start. We've, we've done it a few times at, at the beginning of games. So it was good to see us able to pick up, restart, go again. And maybe the level of op- opponent helps us to do that. They are bottom of the league. Um, coming to us 
And like I said a, a few weeks back, we are building, like they'll be aware that we haven't lost at the Emirates for a long time. We have been building a somewhat of a reputation, somewhat of a mystique about playing at the Emirates. And um, we do look good there. So, yeah, I, I've got written down, whoa, Nelson gets in second. <laughs> and then I've got tight control in the box, outstanding by Jesus and Odegaard, um, which it was. And this one, I'm not 100% sure I saw, I because it did take me by surprise. I was writing notes about the first goal as we kind of scored the second still um and thinking about some of the different bits and i even missed some of the replays because i was just kind of dazed and like this is great they showed a replay later on is it nelson that wins the ball and goes over in the middle of just outside the box or is it Partey? because it was happened quick as a flash when i saw this replay and i haven't watched it back since but we then go up the pitch from that action and uh, I think it's Xhaka has it on the left, passes it into Jesus and then Jesus to Erdegaard. And then Nelson just drifts in really nicely. You know, he hasn't kind of rushed and then again overstacked that front line where it wasn't very dynamic if we had three players up in a line. And then, like you said, because of the structure, you can't break that down. People are in the way and are, are blocking off the passing lanes to your other players you needed to have someone in a different space and he just comes in in front of the defender and yeah just tucks it in really nicely I was just like and yeah great goal and Reese Nelson who most people would have thought could have even left the club in the summer has come on and scored two goals in a, in a couple of minutes replacing Saka yeah, it shows his worth, doesn't it, um, as part of the squad. And also, the, you know, the confidence of Arteta to bring him on because when Saka goes down injured, my thinking is, well, this is a chance for Fabio Vieira to come on and, and show that what he's done in those first sort of games in Europe can, can continue in the league. I wasn't even thinking about Reese Nelson being on the bench at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah... It's funny. It's funny one, Reese. I know you mentioned him earlier, and I, I didn't really um, uh, give my my thoughts on it. But I feel like I feel like with him, it seems like he's he's a sort of character who can take in the information that a coach wants to give him, because he's been he's got chances from people, and he's been loaned out around Europe, you know, to Germany and then to to Holland, where. You need to be able to. Be, you need to be switched on. You need to understand the game. It can't just be about pace, and it can't just be about whether you can score a goal. It's about where you need to stand on the pitch and what you need to do and your responsibility. And um, he's been relatively successful when he's been there. He might not have got a huge goal return, but I think he's been uh, had decent spells there, and then not been able to transfer it, whether it be injuries or um, not having the confidence of the manager or just other players being in front of him in the team. But he, he does feel like a player who, like you said, he, he feels like he, he really wants to make it here. He's not ready to give up on it yet. And I, I like having him as part of the squad. I can't imagine his wages are particularly high. And I think if he's somebody who wants to stay around, you, you need a squad of players. 
and they can't all be superstars. Even when you get to the absolute pinnacle of, of football, um, unless you're Man City, I guess, where every player is a superstar, but everybody else, you're going to have players in your squad who aren't at the absolute top, um, but can come in and do a job. And, you know, he's shown it once now. He's come on and got two goals and assist in this game. Let's hope that he can do something over the next couple of games and just show that it's not just a flash in the pan and he's got something a little bit more. But I would love to keep him around and it would be another great success story if he could have the sort of impact that Enketia's had where it felt like it was completely over. It felt like you're just, you know, seeing out your season, seeing out your time and, and your contract, but then something sparks and you you know, you get a few few minutes here and there and you show you what you're made of and Hopefully that can happen with him as well because he seems like a nice guy. Yes or no, he's the first player to come on this season as a sub. Um, granted, he had a longer period than most substitutions that um, Arteta normally makes. So I do include getting starts in Europe as well. But for the people that are on the bench on a Premier League game, he's the first person who's come in and taken his chance. Because... So far, other than um, one game where Eddie got a goal in Europe, I've not really seen him take a chance. And again, it's possibly a, a harsh one to call with the Premier League because he gets 10 minutes, 15 minutes at best. But he has had European games where he started and not really done lots yet. Um, Fabio Vieira would be another one. He has started European games and he's come on. He looked lively at Old Trafford when the game was already done, but he hasn't really taken a chance. Um, so, yeah, yes or no, Reese Nelson is the first player this season to take an opportunity. I think you're probably right on that one. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, you've, you've got to mention probably Cedric coming on today and having an amazing half an hour, no? I bet you not, were. Uh, was has he Cedric? not taken his chance? Has he Mate. worked his way back into the, into the starting lineup with that? To, to come on, to come on and play left back to start off as well, um, instead of his preferred right back. I was just like, here he is. He, he's he's just another continuation of the Norwegian army knife that we've mentioned before, um, <laughs> and uh, he he did well too. And maybe we're jumping ahead here, but we'll touch on it now. We obviously made two sets of substitutions in the second half. And I'm sure a lot of people, including myself, were thinking, um, Cedric coming on ahead of Tierney at left back? Uh, what? But trust the process. Clearly Arteta had maybe some time management involved with players and what, how long they should get. Uh, based on their fitness and and maybe things that we don't know about. So when the second um, substitutions are made, all of a sudden the balance is brought back to that team that, you know, Cedric goes over to the right, Tierney comes on, takes the left, uh, Saliba's come off, Ben White slots into centre-back. So trust the process. We, we shouldn't... Um, I don't think anyone was getting on Arteta, but... I was a bit curious when when Cedric came on at left back ahead of Tierney, but uh, it all made sense in the end. Um, so yeah, Nelson's taken his chance. He scored two really good goals. 
um, and we're three nil by then, and you feel we're all you know we're out of sight now. Let's keep keep adding to it. Let's score four. Um, and I also made a note at that time it would be really nice to keep a clean sheet as well. And um, as I'm writing uh, Lingard going off, it's then Partey goal and lots of laughing emojis. Um, mate, that guy is giving Roberto Carlos a run for his money. It's happened again, yeah. <laughs> but they say that lightning doesn't strike twice, but it has. He is now... We, this is what we knew he could do, and it took him so long to, like target in on the Emirates goals to be able to score these. But now he's got one in each end. He should uh, he should hopefully be be good. He plays that so well. That ball is moving three, four yards from outside the post back to in. It's and, a beautiful you know, strike of the ball, isn't it? Absolutely beautiful strike of the ball. And when he did it against Spurs, I remember after, afterwards Odegaard was saying that they'd been practising that because Spurs were dropping deep and whatever. And, um, yeah, maybe it's just one of those things that when you do get one, you feel like, yeah, everything just kind of hits. And was it was it Henri who used to say that wherever he was on the Highbury pitch, he knew how he could score because of the angles and because of the, the stands. So he knew oh, really? where he was without looking at the goal sort of thing. And um, I, I guess the, um, the symbiotic relationship is not quite there with Party yet because he's only scored two, but maybe maybe that's right. Maybe he's just finding exactly the angles that he needs to stand to hit the ball at the um, the power and speed he does. But it's a fantastic goal. It really is a great strike. And um, I thought overall he had a... He, he ran the game. Yeah. He really did run the game. Um, I was looking up the numbers there as you, you were speaking. He made 103 passes. I think second was 60-something passes. So, you know, everything came through him. Um, I thought he's, his his range of passing is so good when he's on form because he can do everything. He can play the little short, sharp ones. He can play little passes around the corner. Um, you know, he's able to carry the ball under pressure. He's got that raking pass that goes left and right. Um, there's sort of the big the, the big diagonals. And then he even has the little dink now and again, the sort of the, mm-hmm. the Xavi and Iniesta one that goes over the top of, of players, the Odegaard one. Um, that he played into Xhaka a couple of times. He's, he's just got every tool that you need to play in that position. And we're seeing the best of him now. And we have done from the start of the season. He, he, you know, this run, this is the player that we thought we were buying, right? And although he's had spells like this before where he's been really good, it hasn't been always like this. There was a there was that drop-off period where it was like, you know, what's going on with him? Why is it, why is it not happening? But this is a a player who's in his absolute peak, who's a, a proper adult in that position, if you, if it makes sense um, to say that, who's played it for a long time at, at top level. And um, yeah, long may that continue because we need somebody in there who's going to do that job. And there's no one who can really replace him that we've got around. Yeah, spot on. And like I said at the beginning, you could tell that just because of how he was playing the ball, we were playing well because of it. And Arteta referenced it, I think, after the Southampton draw. Bravery. And I then watched the highlights back of that game and then watched the game against PSV. And even today's game, 
And I think he hits, he, I mean, he knows these guys inside out. He's spot on. It is about bravery because those forward balls, we know Partey can be in the middle and put the ball out, kind of start that horseshoe, you know, from one side to the other. The difference is the balls that he plays through the middle, He that little pause to maybe if he's dummying a player or waiting for a player to move out of position, whatever it might be. And he plays those forward balls, and that that is the difference of making those, the, or you know, completing the braver pass, not taking the easy option, and going for that harder pass, but also knowing and getting it right. And I think that was the difference in this performance compared to the PSV one and the Southampton one, because I think we showed plenty of bravery in the Leeds game to hang on in a game where we got absolutely battered. And yet we hung on for the win. So, yeah, Thomas Partey was outstanding. And um, it's, it's just really good to see. And you love a – who doesn't love a long-range goal? But it just – the thing you mentioned as well about Henri and um, knowing how to score from where he was on a hybrid pitch, that I find is really interesting. I don't think I'd heard that before from him. But I have heard it in sports before. For anyone that likes basketball, uh, and even if you haven't, if you just like sport, if you watch the the Last Dance on Netflix about Michael Jordan, and Scotty Pippen talks about, uh, sorry, not Pippen, Dennis Rodman talks about as a defender in basketball, he would spend hours underneath the rim judging how the ball is being shot, how the ball is spinning and where the ball is going to go off the backboard or off the rim so that he can make the movement to get in the right position to then get the ball. And and, and that is just elite sportsmanship, the thinking like that. And, yeah, if uh, if Omri used to do that based upon knowing his surroundings at certain football grounds and uh, if Thomas Partey is now getting to that point where he's like, oh, I'm in line with block 14 where Chris used to sit here. I'll, I'll smash it. It'll be good. Because um, he was. He was dead in line with where I used to sit <laughs> for my uh, for my season tickets. So I was like, yes, go on, Thomas. Um, so, yeah, fingers crossed that this keeps happening and that he keeps playing well because we need him and we're going to need him next weekend when we take on Chelsea and we're going to need to play well there. So, um Definitely, yeah, it's a massive one. Um, I was going to ask you something about the um, the defence because obviously Forrest didn't didn't really have any shots, and Rams, I didn't. I think he had one save to make in the yeah, it was straight out five minutes or something like that. But um, what was your what was your thoughts on our defensive performance? Because I thought there was a real standout player in that line, um, and I, I won't say who it is because I'll see your your thoughts on it first. But I thought there's a real standout player in there. And I thought we just dealt with what Forrest um, threw at us really well. And, I mean, all they really threw at us was the ball over the top. But um, I just thought we we had a plan to deal with it and it was almost flawless in its um, execution. I thought for most of the game, if not all, we looked very solid. There were one or two times where we uh, there was a sloppy giveaway by Gabriel in our own box. Yeah. Um, and then I think even one of the resulting clearances from that was sliced and it was a bit sloppy. But other than that, I can't really think of any particular time that we struggled. 
because of that, I'm struggling to pick out your number one because I thought Tommy Asu was very good in every one-on-one that he had um, and winning the ball. I thought Ben White was very good in his normal fashion. Um, nothing. They didn't really even try to come down his side from memory. Um, I know Emmanuel Dennis was on the pitch later on, but he got no real joy out of uh, White at all and then Cedric at that time as well. Um and Saliba had a very good game. Again, I think he was someone, you go back to what we were just saying there about judging where the ball is and knowing your position so that you can react in the right way, like uh, Dennis Rodman or Thierry Henry. And Saliba was just anticipating everything uh, much better, giving himself the room to not be shoulder to shoulder with someone and then it'd be a foot race that, you know, it's 50-50. He gave himself the, every time the ball came in his direction, it felt like he had the upper hand. Um, so I'm a sh- I genuinely, I can't pick who you're going to say, but I'm going to go with Saliba. I think, I don't want to be hyperbolic, but I think we might be watching the best centre-back in the league. Um, I, I thought he was outstanding before, because before you carry on, I haven't watched today's Man United game, and I heard that Harry Maguire started. So, you know, pump breaks there, kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I can't forget. Yeah, apologies to Harry there, just because he's not been in the team. I've forgotten about him a little bit. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah, I thought Saliba's his anticipation, his positioning was so good that he didn't need to do anything else. Uh, I don't know if you've watched the Chelsea game from um, yesterday yet. Yeah, I did. I watched it. But Thiago Silva in the first like 10 minutes makes three sort of stupid mistakes, giving the ball away. But then he's heading the ball off the line. He's making slide tackles. And it looks incredible. At 38. At 38. At 38. It's incredible. But all of them were his mistake. Yes, they were. And he was getting himself out of trouble. Uh, You know, a quality defender, a sign of a real quality defender is someone like Saliba who didn't, I don't think he put a foot wrong, really, in the whole game. I thought he brought the ball out of defence quite well and drew defenders, drew sorry, the attackers onto him and then released it at the right time. But then his battle with um, the Forest striker, and I forget his name now, but he, he bullied him for the whole game. And he's big, you know, he's a big, strong guy, that striker. Um, and then his positioning and, and his ball recoveries, a one year, the, the, the ball's over the top. He was just first to everything. Um, with pressure behind him, someone will turn on the ball if he's got time and he's very aware of how close the attacker is. Someone will just play it back to Ramsdale. But I just think, I genuinely think he's the best centre-back in the league. Um, it helps that like Van Dijk's having a bad season and it's not quite clicked for some of the others. But for me, absolute standout performer. Um, I'm sure we'll get on to the, the, end of the end of the game and the last goal and then talk about how sort of man in the match. But... It's strange in a in a game where Forrest didn't have much of the ball. I thought he really stood out for his defensive performance, um, and that's quite a weird concept, I guess, because Forrest didn't do much. But I thought it was down to him a lot of the time. Um, although Tommy Asu and Ben White were also great, but um, it was down and to him. Gabriel that was too. It was just if he is easier to single out in this game because of that one mistake. Yeah. Um, everything that Gabrielle did was great as well. 
So uh, it's it's a really good place to be when you're trying to figure out who your best person in defence was because they all did so well. So yeah, it's it's a long cry from uh, Socrates and uh, Mustafi. Yes. Isn't it? Oh God, I saw that picture yet again where Mustafi tried to mark a referee. <laughs> Well, you hang on. You think there's a conspiracy against us, referee? So maybe we want to do that. Well, mate, I mean, again, who was he marking? Was it Mike Dean? Unfortunately, Bing? we missed out last week's game, but flipping heck, right? You know, if we want to talk about Chelsea getting a penalty for exactly the same thing that we let's not. You'll you'll stoke the fires, <laughs> and we'll be here all afternoon. And I think Frankie would like to go out and do something. So um, let's uh, let's move on. So. Um, after the Partey goal, Jesus gets laid in by Odegaard um, pretty much 1v1. Yeah. And he doesn't score it. And he has to. He he has to. So maybe we could talk about um, Jesus here. In the first no, part... I'll put, no, put in my notes, Jesus has to score. That's all yeah. I put. Same, I've put, must score in bold. I was shouting yeah. it. Um, and he had a chance in the first half where he came onto it on the edge of the box, leaning back, and he balloons it over. Um, and a couple of other little bits. And don't get me wrong, he was unselfish, and he had goal involvements. I can't figure out for the life of me why he's not got two assists, because he lays the ball off to Nelson, who then shoots, it's saved, comes back, and shoots again. That is an assist. Uh, if you can figure that out quickly, please, FPL, because I should have two assists for Jesus, not just one. Um, so he has goal involvements, which was good, and especially in the second half, because even in the first half, he is dropping too deep. Now, Lacazette is a really good and recent example of a striker who dropped deep because he needed to with the way that we played and, and our shortcomings at that time. For me, Jesus does it and he helps us out. There are times where he's the guy towards, you know, that midfield line and even in defence in some of the Southampton uh, instances where he was winning the ball. So he's not doing it for no reason. But at the same time, there was a, a challenge in this game in the first half where he wins it over the far side of the pitch, again, near block 14 where I used to sit. And he wins the ball on that kind of left back area, and he stops once we we get the ball and we then push up and it's it's Xhaka, Odegaard in a ten roll and I can't remember if it was Nelson on by then or whether Saka still was. There's a gaping hole down the middle of the pitch on the you know on the shoulder of the defender, and that's where he should be. And like I say, he does contribute a lot. But for me, I think he needs to focus at the minute on getting back into the goals um, and playing off that defender, the last man, etc. And I thought that he did that more in the second half and that showed because of the goal involvements he got. And it's not... I think you can't criticise him solely because if everybody else in midfield was doing the job, um, he wouldn't need to go back and do some of it. So I put a little bit of this on Martin Erdegaard, who has also been playing pretty well. 
I wouldn't say outstanding or pretty well. He's been ticking along very nicely. And again, in this game, he kind of upped it in that second half. But I think we need a bit more from Erdegaard in that 10 role to allow Jesus to stay up on the shoulder of the player. And this, for me, where in the last four or five weeks, that I feel is a hole that Emil Smith-Rowe does a better job at. Um, and maybe he would have provided something different for Jesus to work off of than Erdegaard. And again, these aren't, it's not me trying to break him down. I think he's been brilliant for us. So if anyone listening thinks that, please don't. And same for you, Chris. It's not a criticism. I just want him to be more selfish. Let, let the team do what it needs to do a bit further back. Be more selfish. Be in that position to score those goals. Because uh, when he scored, um, forget the game, but he scored an outrageous goal at the Emirates down the clock end. And just from inside the box, we kind of looped it up and over the keeper. I can't remember who that was now. But uh, he's not looked like that player now for a few weeks. He had a an opportunity in the Southampton game, you know, stretching for the ball that he should have smashed in and he didn't. Um, he had opportunities in the Leeds game that he should have put away that he hasn't. So I just want him to focus because I felt this game he was trying quite hard to get that goal and it didn't come. But he had goal involvements, which are fantastic to to claim that you've got. But yeah, what, what about you? Do you think he needs to focus on just kind of being selfish and be that play off the last man more than dropping deep and helping the team? Tough one. I really liked his performance today. Mm-hmm. And if he gets, it was the Ben White header, wasn't it? That went to the back post in the last few minutes, yes. was it? Yeah. Um, and and he, he, and he, he nearly gets a toe oh, to it. So I think if he, gets, if he gets a goal today, I don't know if we're having this conversation. No, um, I would. I would bring it up still. Because it has okay. been, it has been bothering me a little bit that he has needed to go back um, and people talk about his game that you know he isn't going to be that person who uh, hangs out all the time in the penalty area I hate to use this person as an example absolutely hate it because I hate the person on a personal level and on a footballing level but someone like Wayne Rooney who used to do what Jesus does and would run back into midfield make a crunching tackle but then sprinted up the other end with the ball or has laid it off and is part of the attack. That, for me, is the difference. Like I said, the instance where he won the ball for us in the left-back position today, but he stops. Once he gave the ball away, that's it. He then didn't bust a gut to be at the end of this move that he'd started. Um, And, yeah, for me, I would have brought it up because it has been, even if he'd have scored one of the chances that he had today when I feel like he should have, should have had possibly three. Um, I would have brought it up still because it has been an underlying part of his game. But in the first few games of the season when he was doing it, he was getting goals and now he's not. And he's having a couple of instances where he's clutching at chances like the one where he gets on the end of a ball from Erdegaard, leans back and hoofs it over. Yeah, no, he he does look like somebody who is 
trying too hard to score. I know that's a sort of cliche thing to say, but you're probably right there. I, I just think he's like his link up today I thought was brilliant and he's I think it should have been three assists. I think he got two, but um, like you say, that one for the Nelson goal should have should have been his as well. I just think in and around the area, he's he's given us so much. It doesn't matter to me who finishes off the chances too much. I think he will get enough goals over the course of the season. Um, I think at the start of the season, if you would have said to me how many goals you think he'd get, I would have I would say in the league. If he's getting fifteen to twenty, that's a good good return. Um, so that's one in two. I think he's almost on on that now. He's he scored what five goals in in the twelve games. Um, so I, I'm not I'm not concerned. I haven't I hadn't even thought about the fact he hadn't scored. I know they bring it up in in commentary now and again, but I just think he's his impact on the team without the goals is so massive mm-hmm. that. And and the team is scoring, and that's what I mean. That's why I'm not being I'm not being super negative with this. Um, I just would like, uh, I don't know, you just when you've got someone in the league like Erling Haaland, I think for us, for me certainly, to feel any credibility for a title race, I feel that we need to have a striker. We we don't have a striker that's got to match that. Don't get me wrong but at least a striker who is scoring at least a goal every other game. And I think Jesus should have had a goal every other game so far this year. Um, I just think there's sometimes it's bad luck. Other times it's it's been wastefulness. I mean, our fifth goal comes from Erdegaard. And my note about that goal was, finally, Erdegaard decides to not hit it straight at the keeper. Um, because, because he should have had a hatful of goals recently as well. He he got a couple after we'd mentioned early on in the season, oh, you know, it would be nice to see him take on some shots a bit more and uh, not try and score the perfect goal and, and play an extra pass, just be a bit more selfish. He was doing that, but then a lot of the opportunities that he got, he put straight down the neck of the keeper. So for this one, it was great to see him stick it right up in the corner uh, where the keeper's not coming close to it. And I feel that's just what... I feel Jesus just needs a a blinder of a goal and he will kick off again. And hopefully he's saving them for Chelsea. Hopefully he's thinking, don't worry, I've got you triple captain me next week because I'm going to score four at Chelsea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I I think he will get to the the range of goals that we want him to by the end of the season. Yeah. I think he'll get there. Um but yeah, it, it's been I don't know how many goals he hasn't scored for, but um it's it's been too long for for a player of his quality not to have scored definitely, but I yeah. think he'll get there. Um and I think although I thought for me party was man of the match um just because of the amount of impact he, and control he had on the ball. But Saliba and Jesus were, were the two who I thought who were closest to to challenging for that um, man and a match award in my own head. Yep, yeah, no, no, not disagreeing with any of that to be honest. Um, and we we round out the game well. Ramsdale was clearly thrilled to get his uh, clean sheet. You could see for the last five minutes when there was a couple of uh, 
crosses slung in and he collects them, a big smile on his face, tongue hanging out, and that he was happy to obviously uh, get the clean sheet, which is the first. It's, it's incredible. Um, also, I guess we do have to point to the opposition. Like They didn't really do much against us today, so we should have kept a clean sheet. It would have been criminal not to. Um, so, yeah, it, all round, really good performance again. And exactly what we needed, and possibly at a time when it felt like we needed it again. And I say that again, like I mentioned earlier on, don't forget to look where we are. We're top of our top of the Premier League. We're top of our group in Europe. Um, but it did feel that having a, a good result like this would really help get those weary legs going for what are the last few games before the World Cup break. We've got um, Zurich at home coming up in, um, in Europa. Yeah. And again, people, yeah, we, we could still go into that game with half our side and we should win it. I'm not too worried about that. And then we've got Chelsea away next weekend. And that's a, that's a big one that I'm really looking forward to. And hopefully it's just another team that we can demonstrate where we are against, you know, the naysayers wanted us to come up against tough opposition well, we've dispatched two of them, uh, so fingers crossed we can we can dispatch a third one, and uh, we can add Chelsea to the list of uh, Tottenham and Liverpool scalps for now. Yeah, this is the season to do it when they're um, struggling and they're rebuilding and they don't really know what they're doing. You know, this is a season where we have to take advantage of the position we're in and the fear factor that we bring in to games against other teams. And make sure that we get. Um, it's not. It's not like a hoodoo with some of these teams, but there's been accusations for I don't know how many years about us in big games, and our record is is not great in big games. Um, I know we we have had wins here and there, but now's the time, you know, when we're in this form and um, the other teams aren't, that we have to yeah get the wins in these big games and and make sure that we go into the World Cup break in the same position we are now. So we we have that good feeling for the whole of the World Cup that, you know, we're top of the league or we're challenging for this this championship and then we go again. Yep. I think that kind of wraps up this weekend's game. What Anything more from you? I have nothing else to say on the matter. Um, awesome. All right. Well, stick with us and uh, we're going to come back shortly and we're going to discuss a few random topics on football. I've certainly got a few things that I want to say to Chris about certain things um, with Arsenal in the last couple of weeks. And uh, we'll also maybe discuss briefly some of the uh, results and what's happening in the Premier League as well since we last spoke. So stick with us and we'll be back shortly. Again, for tuning into Turnstiles and Tribulations, we really appreciate you being here, um, especially after we dropped off 
and out of sight for a couple of weeks. We're glad that you're still uh, giving us a listen. Don't forget you can subscribe so that every time we do have a new pod, it will just uh, come straight to you. Uh, tell your friends about it. Share it with your family. Share it with everybody you know. Uh, we we hope to bring some uh, some fun and enlightened Arsenal and football talk to uh, to you all listening. Chris, got a couple of things to chat to you about. Is it even for ourselves? We haven't spoken much in the last couple of weeks. Um, first off, Cody Gakpo showed me nothing that makes me need to think that we need to buy him. You're not, you're not convinced. Ah. I mean, don't get me wrong, PSV looked good against us in that second game. But he did nothing in that first game. And everything he did in the second game, we was offside. So, so I wasn't wasn't enamoured with him like you are. Yeah, I'm I'm sold. I'm still I'm still very much flying the flag for getting him in um as soon as possible. Like you say, he was offside for those um, that the goal that he scored was offside, but it was a great finish. Um, so yeah, very much stick with him. Um, right. Let's hope he's in in an Arsenal shirt and not in a Chelsea shirt in in a well, few weeks' time. Or, he was close to United, wasn't he? In summer, yeah, that's what I said. Well, you know, I will say this: I would rather see him in an Arsenal shirt than any other team shirt. Um, and I would not say that about Harry Maguire. Um, I would rather see him in any other team shirt than us. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, secondly, and we could just bang through these quite quickly. Secondly, quick Liverpool. Yeah, quick fire round. Liverpool. I have seen on my own timeline on Facebook one of my own Liverpool friends call for Jurgen Klopp's head. <laughs> Discuss. He's. I love the fact they're struggling. How nice is it to see other teams like United and Liverpool struggle? It's just it's one of my favourite things. Um, that Sheldon Freud. It's it's beautiful. Um, he's. I think in a position where he can choose when he wants to leave. I think he's in a little bit of the um, not to the same standard, but he's in that Arsene Wenger zone of. He's a legend at that club now. He tells you when he's done and. I'm sure he will walk away when he's when he realizes he, he can't do it anymore. But I, I I often think with teams like elite teams, when they have a bad start and they know that the title is over, how difficult is it for them to get up for just finishing fourth? Um, I remember that was it the Mourinho season at Chelsea where they ended up finishing tenth. Um, yeah. And it just went wrong at the start. They dropped off the pace. They knew they couldn't win the league. And it's just like, what are we doing? We're too good to be trying to finish in Europa League. So what's the point? And Liverpool has a bit of a feeling of that to me. It feels like they've been in title races for this the last sort of four or five years. And now they realise they're not. The standards have just completely slipped. And um, yeah, long way to continue. It is... Crazy, because like you say, he has at Liverpool legend status. For anyone who claims to support Liverpool to say, you should get rid of Jurgen Klopp, I'm sorry, you're an imbecile, because he gave you sustained title challenges against one of the toughest teams ever because of, one, just how good they are. Let's, you know, ignore for now that, 
how they are that good and why they are that good um, and what's behind that. But they are where they are. We can't change it. There's likely to be more teams added to that list in the next couple of years um, who are sitting there in fourth spot already, um, just waiting to pounce. So just the simple fact that they've been able to keep up with that team and that they did get um, an asterisk Premier League um, during that time where everyone had a, a, a long break during the COVID yeah. season. So it's still got an asterisk next to that one for me. And um, yeah, and the, the fact they've won the Champions League a couple of times with them as well. How you need to get to the point, kind of, you mentioned Arsene Wenger there, like where that has drifted for so long, like it did with us before you can genuinely ask, you know, have a, a clop in, a clop out um, discussion. Yeah, not we, 12 games. No, we drifted in the wilderness for years of, oh, we almost did something and then we didn't do anything and so on. And yeah, it is incredible because they've got injuries to players, which I think he has finally uh, used that one this weekend. They've got injuries to some good players but they've also got good players still there that aren't performing. Like Van Dijk, you mentioned, he's been terrible by his standards this season. Salah yeah. has been poor by his standard this season. Fabinho, who I think is one of their biggest um, flops this year and is also so key to their team and how they play. You've then got a couple of others who are aging out, like Henderson and Milner. Um and they're struggling to perform like they have done in the past. Allison has made the odd mistake, possibly shaken by the fact he knows Van Dyke isn't doing too great. I mean, the that Leeds goal that they scored the first one, like Van Dyke wasn't aware or on his toes for anything like that to happen. And Rodrigo just steals in and uh, and scores. So there are a lot of things happening as to why they're in the position they're in. But for me to be saying that Klopp should go, I think you're an imbecile. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, he deserves a lot more respect than that because he's a good manager. Yeah. And I mean, I, like I said, I've been laughing at them, but they have got Spurs next week. <laughs> so um, fingers crossed that they can uh, turn on turn on their old school form at least yeah. once this season and uh, and do us a favour there. Absolutely. Um, Graham Potter's Chelsea going back to his old stomping ground and getting battered by Brighton. Uh, we could spend 10 minutes just laughing, but let's just cut past that and go to actually talking about it. What, like... I think kind of what you touched on a while back with Tottenham, that Chelsea are flattering to deceive in that they hadn't lost since he joined them, but they also haven't looked good in any game that I've seen. And I haven't watched every game. I haven't watched Europe. I know they got a 2-0 win out in Milan and I didn't watch any of that. Um, but they haven't looked good. They still haven't got a striker that's banging in loads of goals like Kai Havertz is so hot and cold and is 90% cold, it seems. Aubameyang hasn't turned it on for them yet. Not too surprised about that. 
Raheem Sterling is the one I am surprised about. What has happened to him? Even in the last season he was at City, he wasn't amazing, but maybe he got more sniffs, I guess, at the uh, at the ball because of how dominant they are. Um, the Ruben Loftus-Cheek, I don't know how he makes it into a Premier League team. I don't see what he adds. Um, I know, obviously, they're missing Kante and so on. But then even the way Potter manages... He's taken off Cucurella a couple of times in the first half because things aren't right. So is he a manager who doesn't yet know his best eleven, and is he a manager that already isn't able to get the best out of that Chelsea team? Yeah, I don't think he knows his, his best system yet. Well, I think he knows what he wants to play, and I don't think he's got buy-in from the Chelsea players yet because he keeps changing it at half-time when it's not going right. Um, it's a strange one there. It's one of those where it could be that it never goes right for him. Um, I really like him. I think he's a good coach, but it could just not be the right fit and players don't don't see it working and maybe they'll have a revolt because they love a revolt over there. Um, or maybe you'll get to grips with it in a while. But yeah, it's a bit of a mishmash, isn't it? When you look at mm-hmm. the even the team you put out, you look at it on paper and that doesn't say top four to me. You know, and I'm sure I'm sure they got injuries, and I'm I'm not over Chelsea massively, but yeah, Loftus Cheek and even like Gallagher and Shalabar and Pulisic, they're a sort of yeah, they're they're sort of mid range, mid table players in my eyes. Um, and then yeah, Silver at the back is I don't think he's having a great season. I know he now and again he pops up and does something incredible, but he seems to be um, giving the ball away a lot. And yeah, I, um. I'm not convinced by Chelsea and I think the last thing that they need is a winter international tournament where they can't work on their players and then they have to come back and go again in the second half of the season. Yeah. Um, so I don't think they're going to be challenging or chasing their way back up the table. Um, but I would probably say that against about a few different teams. Um, who do you think... It, I mean, I know... You, you didn't want to sort of uh, talk us into winning the title too much um, a few weeks ago. And I won't ask you again to do that because, um, you know, it's completely unfair of me. But taking us and Man City out of things, who are the teams that you think are going to get in the top four? Do you think that Newcastle have got enough? Do you, are you seeing good stuff from them? Do you think anybody else is, is going to make a late challenge? It's very interesting that because... Um, I think Michael Owen said it just recently about us and was talking us up, like, why couldn't they do it? You know, we got to this point where Leicester were winning uh, ahead in the league race and, and you know, look what they did. Um, when I think back to that Leicester team, it team is the right word because it wasn't a bunch of stars. It wasn't a Man City, which... Yes, they are a team, but like we said, you know, they've got £100 million players on the bench quite often. Um, I wish that Guardiola had left the £100 million players on the bench this weekend because bringing Foden on for 13 minutes really didn't help my fantasy team. Like, Jack Grealish can just get stuffed. Um, Use him in Champions League games only, please. Um, Newcastle looked like a team because the people that they've bought not one of them stood out as, oh, they're really good, other than Bruno Gumaraj. Not one of them. But they are uh, 
maybe Trippier um, as someone who's dependable. We we know that he's all right. Pains me to say it because of his connections to other teams, but um, he's he's dependable. Um, but yeah, other than that, they haven't brought in a, a superstar striker, not with a really big name. I know they've got Isaac, who's currently injured. Um, but, you know, Joe Willock is still playing in that team as a, as a regular. Uh, someone like Miguel Almiron, who has been useless for four years and now in the last four weeks, he's been incredible. And I, 20 minutes before the cutoff for FPL, it was like three in the morning, I was still awake watching TV. And I had him in and I nearly, I was going to take out Martinelli for him. So I'm glad I didn't in one way, even though he did score more points, I think overall. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that that's crazy that he seems to now be able to score from anywhere. Newcastle are doing all right. Um, Tottenham, boring, boring football, but they came back from 2-0 down against Bournemouth. Um. But they, for me, feel like a team that are only a couple of results and a couple of comments in a press conference from Conte away from being managerless. Yeah. They, it just feels like at any moment that can explode. Because I don't think those players are enjoying uh, playing under Conte. Take Kyung Min Son, for example. How has he gone and turned someone who was free-flowing and free-scoring last season and turned him into what he is now. Because he's he's rubbish in comparison to what he was last year. Um, but they are there. It's annoying that they're there, but they are there. Um, United, you just have no clue what way the wind is blowing. How Harry Maguire has won his place back in that starting team. Like, unless Varane or Martinez are injured... Why is Maguire starting? Like, got to be some serious kissing up going on there. Um, you haven't seen his hat trick today, though, have you? No, uh, he got an, he, he knew a clean sheet, wasn't it? <laughs> I think I think David de Gea was uh, slightly had his nose put out of joint, not being in the Spain squad. And uh, from what I, from what it looks like, he had a good game, and so United kept a clean sheet. Um, he did. Ronaldo, one minute he's refusing to come off the bench and play and walking down the tunnel and then he's dropped and then the next minute he's back in the team. I think this is already underpinning that Ten Hag has not got control. Like, if I'm a manager and I've got the opportunity to sell Ronaldo, I would take it because he is trouble. Arteta was strong and dealt with the Bamiang and I think dealt with him well. Ten Hag already looks to me like he's not going to have the respect of some of the players there because of the up and down and the yo-yoing on someone like Ronaldo. Um, so you can't, I can't really comment on United because I don't know what team they're going to put out and I don't know what performance they're going to put in. The only one time they've looked like they've played well was the one where they played against us. And they still, on that day, were second best to us, but they just executed better than we did on that day. Um, so I'm not sure about United. Chelsea, yeah, I think they're wandering. I don't know what's happening there. It's a weird one because you they've always been a team that's been dependable and would do well. 
but yeah, Potter, I'm not sure. Like I think, yeah, maybe how you described it doesn't maybe have the buy-in of the players. I mean, you've got a player like Aubameyang who didn't come for you. Like he only came because of Thomas Tuchel. Um, and I think because he likes London, he really enjoyed his time in London with us being there. He probably still had his house um, and so on and half his cars there, to be honest. So he came back just to be in London. So, yeah, you take City and Arsenal out. I really don't know, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> mate, do you know what? It could be Brighton because credit to them. I mean, we didn't give the credit there. Credit to them. They have... Um, not particularly flown since Potter left, but they've also not, you know, nosedived either. And then they go and beat Chelsea on the weekend in what was a thoroughly deserved game. Like <clears throat> the crowd were well up for it because of the whole return of Potter, Cucurella, um, and the Brighton players fed off of that. It was fantastic that game to watch. So. Yeah, it's a strange one. I think the other thing to even talk about is us as well. Like you you said, remove us. I think you could include us. City is still, like they beat Leicester 1-0 in what was a pretty boring game in the same way that that was a similar result, but slightly different circumstances to us beating Leeds. We got battered. Leicester didn't batter City, but they got out of there with a 1-0 win because they didn't particularly play well. They didn't score from open play. And City, for me, are still going to be the team that are going to get 90-plus points this year. Are Arsenal up to that? Maybe, but uh, we've got nothing to base it on. It will be, we can only talk about it once it's happened this year. We're in a great spot right now, and I love that, and I'm very happy with it. And each week that we stay there, it's, Oh, it's emboldening, but still, we're so, so far away from being able to talk about that because we've got this huge spanner in the works of the World Cup to come. Who knows what's going to happen? Who comes back injured? Who comes back in form? Who knows? So, um, yeah, I think I'd still say it's there for City. I hate saying it. Maybe when we're uh, on 37 games and four points clear, then I'll say that maybe Arsenal will win the league. Yeah, until then, keep your cards close to your chest. Yeah. Um, Any other footballing topics that you wanted to discuss? Absolutely nothing. Yeah, same. I think that covers everything for now. Uh, Fingers crossed Saka is just, uh, he needs a few days off training and maybe miss the game on Thursday and he could be fit for Chelsea. Great that Jesus has walked this yellow card tightrope for weeks now. He could have been suspended for the Liverpool game and has managed to not pick up a yellow card in that time, which has seen him all the way through to this Chelsea game. Um, you you kind of... Do they, do they get washed away after the World Cup? Will it... Will it push um, on to there the is next? a date that they do that. I'm not sure when it is, but um, yeah. there is an amnesty, yeah. Now you'd hope that he reaches that amnesty without picking up another, because even against Wolves, I would still like to see him on the pitch, you know? Um, so, uh, yeah, great that he's managed to do that and uh, steer clear of any disciplinary issues. Um, yeah. Oh, 
I've got one thing before we go. Did you look at that Casemiro goal? Um, which Casemiro goal? Well, he's only scored one. The one no. from last, the last, the <laughs> one from the one from last week against Chelsea. And I texted you saying like that to me didn't look like it went over. And there's no way that oh, the, the one went over the line. Yeah, the, the technology of it. That there's no way there was a gap like that. What they showed the Hawkeye picture. Yeah, I, I'm. Um, yeah, I, I'm not sure what pictures we're seeing. I'm not sure if the pictures we're seeing are correct. Let's put it that way. Yeah, with the Hawkeye. I don't. I think the. I think the technology works, but I don't think it's showing us what we're supposed to be seeing. Sometimes the same with the offside lines. I don't think that the, the um, technology can be wrong. I just think that we're not seeing the right um, the right images. Yeah, because that to me looked like it never went all the way over the line. I know that when um, Kepa brought got his hand to the ball, he brings it slightly closer to the line as he puts it as he gets it to hit the deck. But the whole, um, like, taking a corner, like I said to you, you have the sphere of the ball. And now they don't even have to place the ball on the paint of the quadrant for the corner. The sphere just has to break the line of the of the quadrant as such. Yeah. And it looked no different for me than that. The, the ball certainly touched, you know, where it's touching the ground, it's over the line. But the sphere of the ball at no point from the the pictures that they show looks like it's completely cleared the posts. That, to me, looks weird. And Hawkeye then showing that there's a gap, like an inch? No way. No way. Not having that. No, I'm not having that. But, you know, you briefly brought it up earlier, talking about referees. I mean, they're basically cartel based in Manchester, populated by Manchester you know, locals say no more. Well, let's just hope that it doesn't happen to us. Um, although I'm sure we'll get Already some, has. Uh, already has dodgy, in the game against them. Dodgy stuff already, in the World Cup. Yeah, already did in the game against them at, at Old Trafford. We've already seen it. Um, and then again, Southampton, disgraceful refereeing. But hey, let's, uh, let's end on a positive. 5-0, Arsenal top of the league. Um, we can wrap up top spot in Europe, which is important this week. It'd be nice to miss out some games uh, in the second half of the season. So, um, yeah. Oh, and I am still ahead of you in fantasy, just in case you're wondering. Yeah, I mean, I assume that. I always assume that. (laughs) Just wanted to drop that in there. Anyway, Chris, it's been good to chat to you again after a couple of weeks away. It's been nice to record again. Um, fingers crossed that with our new schedules, we're able to uh, get into a groove and, and keep pumping these shows out. We thank you all again for listening, for tuning in and spending your time with us, listening to us talk about football. Um, feel free to interact with us. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. If you've got any questions that you want to ask or you want us to talk about, get in touch with us on social media. You can find all of our profiles in the show notes today. You can still join the fantasy premier league. If you've got one again, click the link in the show notes, Um, like subscribe, follow us on social media as well. And uh, yeah, other than that, I love you all, Chris. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening to everybody. 
and um, yeah we'll be speaking to you after the Chelsea game next weekend up the Arsenal come on you Reds 